as we go into the next couple weeks, and next Sunday is our ministry kind of fair where we're going to eat, and you're going to learn about the different ministries that go on to church and how you can help. I just want you to know in the next couple weeks, today including and next week, that I'm not preaching these to shame anybody, to make anybody feel guilty. Basically, what I want to do is encourage us to use our God-given gifts, those gifts God has given to us. That's really what I want to do. You see, I don't think being a Christian is just being a spectator. You know, you go to sports and you watch sports and you see all these things going on in sports, and the biggest group is the spectators. And anytime you go to a sporting event, I don't care if it's basketball or football or even NASCAR, you've got these armchair quarterbacks that know more than the coaches, and they'll tell the coaches what they're doing wrong. I hear parents yelling at the kids to shoot, shoot, or do this, and the coaches want them to do something else, and the parents think they know more. And trust me, there's been a lot of adults tell me how wrong I am, and Russell's probably had the same thing when we've missed certain calls. Uh, I can't remember if I told you, but last week I was at uh, Covington and did a 7th and 8th grade game, and there's one person standing in the stands and just barking at me. I missed a call. And I looked at him, I said, you're right, I probably missed it. No, you know, okay. He wouldn't shut up. This is the start of the second quarter. So I was getting ready to give the ball to a girl to start the second quarter, and I looked back and I said, are you planning on watching the rest of this game? He looked at me and goes, well, I'm going to be here. Somebody behind him said, now if you don't shut up, you won't be. I just smiled and gave the ball before we started the rest of the game. Somebody always knows more. It's not a spectator sport. If we are Christians, if we are believers, if we are God's children, he wants us to be involved, and that's where it starts when we become Christians. I love the the message of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus just jumps into his message. Listen to what he says. Just, Just listen. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, being a Christian is about taking action. You're out doing these things, and you're experiencing things, and you're coming in contact with people, and all these different things are happening, realizing that we are nothing without God. We're nothing without God. And maybe we mourn over the fact that we haven't fully lived for him, or maybe even in our lives by what we have done, or maybe even what we are doing, maybe we've even hurt him a little bit. But finally, we give our lives over to him. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, is the first recorded sermon we have of Jesus, and he just jumps right in. And the first thing we need to realize is we have to accept Jesus before we go any further in the next couple weeks. That we truly accept Jesus. Why? Because we need him. We truly need him. When we accept Jesus, when we receive uh, Jesus, we receive some very special gifts. Gifts that we already have a lot of times, but sometimes we don't realize it. But gifts that God has given to us in our lives. Nothing we've worked for. These things are just placed in our laps because God loves his children. God loves his kids. 
And he wants us to have these gifts, these abilities, to go do what he has asked us to do. But the first thing I want you to see is we have to accept Christ, and we get gifts from him by doing so. The first thing we receive is this. We receive eternal life. Okay? Eternal life. Think about it. Not too shabby of a gift, is it? Eternal life. We can read stories about explorers all over the world searching the world for eternal life or the fountain of youth. And you know what? They've never found it. Because this eternal life really is just right in front of their noses. It's so close that they can receive it if they want to. But so many times they've given their lives to find it. And all they have to do is realize that Jesus is the answer. Jesus gives this eternal, this eternal life. Paul says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but catch this, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift. The gift that he so dearly wants to give us, to give people in the world. So many times we have to remember that we were headed for death's door when Jesus literally snatches the keys right away from Satan, and he says, I want to take this, but I'm going to give you eternal life. So the first gift that we receive is eternal life from Jesus Christ. The second gift we receive is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, not too shabby of a gift. You've often heard it said that God never intended for anybody to be alone. How much better can it get? That even when we do feel at our loneliest, even when we do feel and we understand there's nobody else around right then, right there, that we always have the gift of the Holy Spirit with us and in us. That Jesus is always with us. Romans 5, 5, Paul says, God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love, with who he is. You see, God has given us this helper, and that's what he sent as a helper for us, a comforter. And he does so to convict us, to show us the way of righteousness, to let us know that even in all these things that are happening in the world, we are not alone. I know we feel that way sometimes, but we're not. So we have eternal life, we have the Holy Spirit, and the third gift is a purpose for our talents. So all of a sudden, because of who Jesus Christ is, because we have come into him and in that relationship, all of a sudden our purpose and our talents have changed. Instead of doing something for the world where all those things are fleeting and they kind of end at some point, these gifts that we have, this purpose that we have to serve Christ, all of a sudden makes a difference. You see, God has granted all of us sitting here this morning, even those who couldn't be here, with different gifts, some very specific abilities. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that God has blessed some of us to be able to do electrical, some to do plumbing, some are able to teach, some are able to do other things. And we need all these people, like the scripture we read, that we are all part of this body. And every part is important. So we have these talents. How many remember, I, I know when I was a kid it was on, this group called Super Friends, the cartoon on TV. I remember it. I remember at my age growing up, the first thing I would do on Saturday morning, I'd watch Roy Rogers and the Lone Ranger. Okay. Then after those were on, then Gunsmoke, and then sometimes on Saturday mornings, then I'd watch Super Friends. Remember them? 
You had Superman who had x-ray vision, who could leap a tall building in a single bound, who could stop a locomotive, who could do all these things, had x-ray vision. You know, do all those things. And you had Superwoman. What'd she have? The magic lasso, you know, type thing. Aquaman could live underwater and talk to sea creatures and communicate with them. Flash had superhuman speed. Then there was Batman, who just had all the money in the world, who could buy all the gadgets for his belt to do what he needed to do. But all of them and all their specific gifts came together to form one Justice League. You know, I remember that. And I want you to understand that our gifts that God has given to us, each one differs a little bit but they're also important. The Bible says it may be preaching, it may be teaching, it may be singing, it may be contributing, but it's all done for the glory of God's church and to build his kingdom. The point is God has gifted you one way or another. And you may be sitting here, you're scratching your head, and you're saying, Kurt, I really don't have those gifts. I can't preach and I can't sing. I can't do this and I can't do that. Folks, I can guarantee you, you can be glad that I don't say that I can sing and try to stand up and sing with the ladies and guys that sing. Okay? It just, it wouldn't be pretty. But I can do other things. So that's what I concentrate on. You see, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Romans 12, 6 says this. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And he goes on to say, if you're going to serve, if your gift is serving, what does he say? Then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. Now, I don't want to add to Scripture, but if it's to fix things, then fix it. If if it's to mow, then mow. If it's to do this, do that. Whatever your gift is, whatever God's saying for you to do, then we need to do it. Things in life are, are done in parts, and we all have these parts to fill in. It's like a big puzzle. Each part, each puzzle piece fits in together, but you have to find the right piece. I love it. Used to when Caitlin and Sander and Brittany would do a big puzzle on the dining room table. Eventually, I'd go still one piece. And I would hide it until they were all done. And then I would put the last piece in. Aggravated the snot about that, you know, to them. But that was, that was my gift. Okay? Not to them, but for me. You know, what? And what's sad a lot of times is we have to remember God has given us these abilities. God has given us these gifts to further his kingdom but can you believe people actually pray against some things? I remember when I was at Newmark the first time, I was a camp committeeman like I am now, but we did that Rock at the Rock where we had an all-day rock concert and we had two to 3,000 kids coming to the camp. And one year we had a poster and it was of this group. They were standing in a window with the cross members in it. Well, when Dwayne blew it up to put it on the poster... It looked like an upside-down cross. And even though we showed the people, this was the actual picture that we used. A certain church fought us, said, we're praying against this, even though we're having thousands of kids coming to Christian concerts. You know, they prayed against it. And I think there's a lot of times people don't like something that's happening in the church or like something that's happening in whatever we're involved in. So instead of supporting it and encouraging it and getting involved in it, a lot of times people will pray against it. 
And I think Jesus just stands up in heaven and God stands up in heaven and says, are you kidding me? Now, I'm not saying that I think this is happening here. I'm saying it's possible. It's possible that it does happen. You see, we are not part of the team. And sometimes that happens when we say, well, it's about me. It's about what I want. And when that happens, when we start saying it's about me, and what happens a lot of times is it affects everybody. We all suffer when we start thinking it's about one person or one group or just us. You see, we have to get used to the idea that what we are here for is not for us, are we? Somebody agree with me or disagree with me? Because I don't think we are. We are here to be a church, to be a light into the world. So everything we should be doing should be bringing people to Jesus Christ. So we bring them into the church. But so many times we like, like I said one other time, we like what we have. And to start changing it is not good. So I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to say, I need to make some changes right here because this is not right. Trospers, you need to get to the back row. You guys need to move back where you guys sit because this is not right, you know. That's, that's too much change. Sorry. You know, I'm kidding. But it happens. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you form the body of Christ. And each one is a necessary part of it. When you don't serve others, you get cheated. I mean, think back of some of the worst jobs there were for Christians to do. Even in the Old Testament, Moses had to go tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And then he had to lead this bunch of whining babies into the desert. And all they did was whine. Didn't like the food, didn't have enough water, didn't do this. Why are you doing this? And all the whole time, for 40 years, he had to do this. Even Hosea had to marry a prostitute. Jonah had to preach grace to a people that he despised. Paul was imprisoned and killed for his missionary journeys. Peter was also killed. And what about those at the church having to clean up after Ananias and Sapphira decided to to lie about their giving? You know, some pretty nasty jobs. While some of them were given sainthood, others just did what they had to do for the church to serve God. Again, Paul says, all form the body of God. Of Christ. So can you imagine the Israelites being cheated and having to stay in Egypt? Can you imagine Israel not knowing the grace they needed to see and hear from Hosea? Can you imagine if the book of Jonah turned out the way Jonah wanted? Imagine no letters from Peter or Paul. Imagine if those at the church had taken out Ananias and Sapphira, the church would eventually started to stink after God struck them down before they walked in. You see, everybody, get this, everybody has got to be on this team for it to work well. It's not because of what I'm saying. It's because God's word says it, that we are all part of this body and we all need to be part of it. We're all important. But you do not only cheat others if you're not part of the team. You cheat yourself. Do you want to know what I want to do when I retire from ministry? I've heard it. I've said it sometimes. My ultimate goal when I retire, ultimately, probably when I'm 95, 
I want to work at Disney World. You want to know why? The times that we've been, all those people working that are retired, they're all happy. Now, I don't know if it's because they're at Disney or whatever, but I think more of it is because they're being used. They're being helpful. They have a purpose in their life. And if that purpose simply is just making other people's day to try to make their experience there at Disney the most best experience that you could ever have, I don't know. But I think it's because they're being used. They feel important. You see, I think every human in life has this deep desire to be used, to feel significant, to feel like our life truly matters. I used to love watching my grandpa, who passed away a couple years ago at 98 years old, because what I saw him do is work second shift at Chrysler for years. But when I would stay with him, he would get up in the morning, about 6, 6.30. We would go cut wood until noon. Then he would eat lunch. He would go take a nap. Then he would go to work. Watched him do this for years. And like I said, even when he was to the point where he could barely walk from his chair to the bathroom, he had a magazine opened up to this real expensive log splitter. And I said, Grandpa, what are you going to do with that? He looked at me and matter-of-factly said, I'm going to cut wood. He didn't have the energy or the strength to get to the bathroom, but he was still wanting to work. And a lot of times people lose their physical strength. I understand that. But I watched my grandpa work because he loved to work hard. In John 15, 8 and 11, Jesus tells us to be part of this team. And if we're part of this team, guess what's going to happen? He actually says that we will be happy. I like the way another translation says it. It says, when you become fruitful disciples of mine, my Father will be honored. I have told you this to make you as happy as I am. Now, I'm going to ask. Every time we serve, every time we teach, every time we do what we say we're going to do, is it always fun? Not always. Is it aggravating? Sometimes. Do the kids always behave? Almost always never. But I guarantee you it'll be worth it. At some point, it will be worth it. You see, if you want to feel important, like your life is making a difference, don't seek what the world is offering. It's quickly fading away. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we hear that our labor is not in vain. So understand, we are not just working to be doing something that's going to fade away one day. Look at all the buildings and the structures and all the bridges and the bank accounts, and people say, who cares? I mean, who really cares? When we start caring about people who lived in our lives and spoken to our lives, it makes a difference in what we do. I love hearing stories about people and the things they've accomplished, things they've done in their life. And I know they've done it even though it wasn't always fun. But it always pays off. Why do you think it would be so cool to visit the Holy Lands? I mean, I got to go one time and I'd love to go back. Is it the scenery? I mean, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. Or meeting the people that live there, that's really kind of cool. Talking to Israelis and all that. Maybe to walk the Villa Della Rosa, the way of the cross. I've walked that. But I think the coolest part of going to Israel is the one who once walked there. 
walking in the footprints of Jesus, going where he had gone. Two of the greatest things that was there when I, was, I got there was going to the uh, place of the tomb where you could see the place of the skull. I mean, it's right there. You can see it. But another really cool part was when we went to Bethlehem. Me and another guy was walking along. We were just talking. There's this guard there, young kid. Couldn't have been hardly 18 years old with an AK-47. And I walked by and I said, I wonder if he would talk to me if I could, he could understand me. I'm glad I didn't say anything stupid because he said, I'll talk to you. Perfect English. You know, and we talked for a little while. You know, but then even in all that, even as guards came on our bus with these AK-47s, checking us out, making sure we were all good, you know, it was still being in that presence of who God is. And I think that's what we've got to create when we do what God wants us to do and use the gifts that he wants. I don't care if you're cleaning a toilet. I don't care if you're putting a roof on. I don't care if you're shoveling snow or mowing the yard. We do it for the glory of God. Several years ago, I was involved with Promise Keepers. And one year, their uh, theme was simply to live a legacy. To leave a legacy. In other words, that's telling people you're important. What we do is important. You see, I want you to understand each and every one of us is a vital part of this team. Is a vital part of this church. Is a vital part that we absolutely have to have to allow ourselves to do what God wants us to do. And you will cheat yourself if you don't allow yourself to use the gifts God has given to you. I mean, in my life, I've seen a lot of exciting things. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it's been cool. You know, when I was in high school, we used to go up by Pine Village. We used to jump off a bridge that was 40 feet in the air down into a creek. Stupid, yeah, but fun. I've fallen off cliffs that hang your rock that I shouldn't even been on, survived. Some years, well, you hit your head a couple times, and that probably wasn't. Been in fires, done all these things. And when I really think about all the things that I've got to experience, watching my girls be born, holding them, watching them grow, holding my granddaughter just a few hours old, when I really think about it, pairs in comparison, when I think about God and allowing him to use me, no matter where, no matter what. I mean, when you put something together and you watch it being used, isn't that awesome? I mean, I don't know anybody that wants to put a bike together on Christmas and the kid never rides it. You know, I know they play with a box, but you want them to do what they do. Or you build a birdhouse never to be used. Or you do all these things. You see, God made you as necessary, as a necessary part of his body, and we cheat him when we don't use the gifts that he has given us. Now, I don't know if you think you can't be used. I don't know if you're sitting here saying, well, I don't have the training to do it, or maybe you've never been asked. Maybe you feel like, well, we've got a minister, we've got a secretary, that they can take care of all this. Or you say, well, I'm not ordained, so I can't go visit somebody at a hospital or pray for people to help them out in the things that they need. I want you to understand something. The reason we're doing next week is simply because we want you to be part of this team. That's as simple as that. That we want you to be part of this team. We want to encourage you to plug in into an area where God has given you these gifts and to really use those gifts. You see, be part of this team and be fulfilled 
while we fulfill others. And get this, if you are not part of this team, you cheat yourselves, or you cheat others, you cheat yourself, and you cheat God. Okay? Now, I'm not saying by being part of this team means that you have to be here every Sunday to teach or every Wednesday to teach or ever to do these things all the time. But it means we step in. And I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to say that people are stepping up. I'm seeing it. Sandra had a VBS meeting on Saturday and I think she has everybody but two or three already for VBS. To me, that's awesome. You know, I see people come on Wednesdays to help with the kids. I see people on Sundays do what they do. We've got people working. But we also want you to be part of the team. Can you imagine, just for a moment, what it would be like if the church was truly the church? I mean, just imagine for a moment. Because I can tell you what happens to churches. I've seen it. When we start doing what we want or just being about ourselves, the church I was at in Hayworth for 14 years, that we were bumping 250, is barely hitting 100 right now. Their senior minister works a full-time job someplace else because they keep doing things. They quit doing Sunday school completely on Sunday mornings. I know. It's just like, I don't get it. For me to go back and do a wedding, I'm not allowed to go back and do a wedding because I'm not on staff there. So they lost a family and several people because... Somebody can't have a wedding there that they want to do because it's about them. You see, when we start getting the idea that we're part of this team and all these people that live around us in the other towns that don't know him need to be part of us, we start doing things to reach them. And it may be different, it may be new, but it's about who they are. I'm just going to simply ask as I close this morning that if you're not part of I want you to pray about your gifts. I want you to pray about your abilities. I want you to pray about your God-given abilities.